Well, the, the scoreboard said I lost today, but what the scoreboard doesn't say is what it is I have found. Tennis Connected Studios for January 14th, 2022. I'm Nima Nadari alongside Parsa Sammy from NYC to preview the first major of the year in Australia. Before we begin this week's show, let's introduce our co-host Parsa. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well. It's been a long time, Mr. Nadari. Um, and I'm excited because I love January in the Australian Open and Definitely looking forward to watching how this tournament unfolds. Yeah, and I think we're going to have a bit of a contrasting view as to who we're taking to win the, the tournaments, uh, respective two different divisions with the women's and the men's. We'll get into that shortly. But, I mean, lo and behold, the biggest news, without a shadow of a doubt, almost around the world in the sport, sporting world is Novak Djokovic and his, his visa uh, dilemma that he's having right now in Australia. He came in, you know, he was detained, as everybody knows the story by now, and then he was okay to play, he was practicing on rod labor, and now as of this morning, they want to kick him out again, and they revoked his visa for the second time, and he, as you said, he's supposed to play Monday uh, against his countryman, Chechmanovic, and it's like, what's, and you said he's just going to have to show up and play, right? Because he's back into the hotel, right? Into the... Um... Yeah, he's due to report tomorrow morning back to the detention hotel center, whatever it's called, and w await his appeal because he's going to appeal again. Um, and yeah, it's kind of a huge mess for everybody, um, including Djokovic, uh, including Australia, and obviously the tournament, it's... Unfortunately, it's like already a, a negative stain on the event, um, and hopefully the tennis will shine through once the two weeks starts. You know, Parsa, it's, it's amazing because, you know, obviously I talk to a lot of people who are closely connected with the tennis world, ATP, WTA, you know, tournament directors, players, and, and whatnot, and everybody, I don't think there's any dispute that from a statistical and result standpoint, Djokovic is the best male player ever. I don't. I think at this moment, unless Nadal does something crazy and whatever, right? But that's not that. That goes without saying. However, he really doesn't. And I'm saying this as a fan. You know what I mean? Like I, I think he's the goat and all of that stuff. But he really doesn't do himself any favors by trying to be this guy who always is going against the grain to get to where he wants to get to. You know what I mean? And it's like, just get vaccinated, man. I understand it's free will, free choice. I under, I completely understand that. But like the Australian Open is telling you five months before you got to come down there that this is what's happening, right? So then he goes to Marbella, he does all of this stuff. He's saying I, got, I was COVID positive. And then, you know, he's going to events, he's doing interviews, then he's showing up. And it's just like, how do you think that this is going to complement your legacy? and and be, make you more popular forget about his serbian fan base right because he's always going to have them 
with all due respect to them. I know they love him and I see it on Twitter all the time and, and God bless them, right? But I'm talking about when you're looking at an overall appeal, like you made a great point, right? Like when you look at, you know, players like Agassi and Sampras, Sampras had a way better career than Agassi. Numbers-wise. Number-wise, no question about it. Six-time year number one, won Wimbledon like seven times. I mean, the guy was a, you know, a monster, he's a legend, amazing serve, but nobody cares. People still talk about Agassi. Sampras is not even like part of the, you know what I mean? He's like, he's he's not even there. Like no, like you said, kids don't know who he is. Everybody knows who Agassi is. Like they came out with his collection at the US Open a couple of years ago, people were going crazy still. It's like, you, you know, it's and the same thing is gonna happen with Federer and Nadal, right? Because they've created that for themselves. It's not always about the results, even though it is. I mean, these are Sampras, Nadal, Federer. These are still top five best players ever. You know, even though Djokovic finishes number one, I just don't get why he always wants to make his life so difficult for himself, right? And, but again, that's, it's up to him. I mean, he's gonna have to deal with all of his stuff and it very well looks like he's out of this tournament. And which is terrible because he's the number one player in the world. And the other thing too, Parsa, is if he gets kicked out, I think he's out for three years, which would overall put him out for the rest of his career, right? Because he's what, he's gonna be 35 in April. That's gonna take him to about 38, right? So, I mean, at that point, yeah, he could still come back, but I don't think that he would. So they're, they're gonna have to appeal that as well. And yeah. it's just- And just like, to clarify, when they, when they Re- revoked it they specifically said that you know they would revisit it next year so it can be it doesn't have to be you know a um, three-year ban it can be just a based on a, in, an individual basis because obviously he's not quote-unquote illegal in terms of his visas or passports or whatever this is obviously a huge miscommunication and, and all those things and and Nima, I'm going to play the devil's advocate here. Um, not that I'm a big fan of someone not getting, uh, you know, vaccinated, so on and so forth. But to, to understand the psyche of, of an elite champion like Djokovic, you know, in his world, he can do no wrong and he trusts himself implicitly. That's how he's operated. That's how he's become the greatest player of all time is because of that mindset and that mentality. And it continues, you know, in his regular life as well. So. He believes strongly one way and that, that this is the right thing for him and his, his health and his family. And there's just really no one on the outside that's ever going to change that. Just like no one's going to tell him down match point at the U.S. Open, you know, when Federer was in his prime, you know, serving match points for him to take the biggest swing in the history of life on a return to serve that's coming at 125 miles an hour and rocket, you know, a 130 mile an hour return into a corner you know, in the finals of the U.S. Open, you know, like he he himself believes that that was the right thing to do in that moment. And he believes in, in, in all fairness, um, he believes he's right in, in this way and it's his right to choose. And so I think, you know, you know, and personally, like just just so everyone knows out there, I'm I'm, you know, all about vaccinations and, and I and I can see how it gets viewed as a very selfish act when a lot of people are are making their sacrifices, their individual freedoms and choosing for the better good of people to get vaccinated. Um, at the same time, I also understand his mentality and his mindset. And, and I also respect people's rights to choose. So 
Um, I just wish maybe sometimes people chose, you know, to do also to incorporate other people's health in, in the scenario. And, and I think that sometimes is lacking. Yeah, no question about it. Free, free will and free choice is the paramount thing that everybody in the world should have, all of us. Um, but what I'm saying is, is that when you're looking at the tournament and the rules, right? Like they- Very clear, very clear. Yeah, should have been clear and like- Just don't come, don't so, make so, this mess. You know, like you knew the rules were to get vaccinated. I, I get it. You know, that's the organization has set the rules such a way. It's very fair. It's not like Verstappen Hamilton at the uh, end of Formula One there um, in December. Um, it was very, very clear. There was there was no, you know, gray area there. You know, get vaccinated. You come to Australia, you win the tournament. You're the greatest of all time. Done. Um, it was it was a clear path to it. I totally get it. And it's I mean, listen, it's going to be very interesting because I don't even know what happens now if he withdraws because the draw has been made. So it looks like there's going to be a lucky loser that's going to take his um, place in the draw for Monday. Uh, and I can assure you that Chichmanovic will not be playing on center court anymore. <laughs> he's probably going to be on maybe court 18 or something like that. Yeah, I and I know him as well too. He's a good kid. Yeah. But I was reading about Anima. Uh, there's like there's some dates that if he withdraws by if a match has started, one match, one ball has hit at the Australian Open, then a lucky loser goes in. If it's before a match has been played, then Rublev moves to the number one position and takes yeah. that seating and then someone a, a lucky loser comes in for rublev or it's some obscure rule but even that's clear so uh, there's a lot of clarity here it's only joke which that's not clear yeah i know his his uh, lawyer is working overtime as we speak and uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens but i mean obviously it's leaning towards the fact that he's toast uh, for this tournament which also has other ramifications because he's going to lose 2000 points Medvedev made finals last year, so he's you got to put him top two guys to win the tournament, probably with Zarev, right? We'll get to that in a bit. Um, and then it also, this has always been such a great springboard for him to start his year, right? Because he comes in, wins this term, he's won it nine times. So that's nine years that he started off his, his season in the best possible way. So he doesn't get that. Then you probably... Maybe you see him in Dubai, maybe you don't. Then he goes to Indian Wells in Miami, where I believe he hasn't won those in a long time, right? Then he goes on to the clay, which yes, I know he's the defending French Open champion, but it's probably his least favorite service. And then he goes, he has to defend the French. Then he goes to the grass and then US Open where it's a much even playing field. And you know, there's gonna be a lot of guys gunning for that title. So. And, and forget about all of that stuff. He's tied at 20 grand slams with Federer and Nadal. So he's trying to get to 21 in his best possible opportunity, right? Where a tournament where he's won nine times and if he plays, everything's all good. He's for sure the favorite to win his 10th. So there's a lot of lot of things there and it's gonna be interesting to see what happens in his absence. I would like to see him play just because he's the number one player in the world and. It's, it just gives the tournament that's, that much more validity when he plays. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and if somebody like Medvedev or Zarev or Berrettini or whoever it is wants to win this title, 
and and they can defeat Djokovic, it just makes it that much you know sweeter for them as well too, right? Because you're 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 beating the best of the best, right? Um, or a Nadal. So we'll get to him in a second. So that's that's pretty much what I think. But first, let's also talk about some other notable uh, absences that we know for sure. Federer is not playing. Rarinka is not playing. Delpo is coming back. I think next month. He's he's trying to get back in there. Serena is out. Venus is out. So a lot of the legends of the game and multiple Grand Slam champions are are absent from the tournament this year, uh, which is obviously not great to see. Uh, it is really nice to see that Murray is actually in the finals um, of the tournament in Sydney, and he plays Karatsev tomorrow, uh, Melbourne time. Uh, so that's nice to see with him. Uh, but do you have any, before we get into the women's draw, do you have any thoughts on the absences of Federer, of Serena, of you know Venus and the like, and how that will impact this tournament as well as you know their career for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I totally have an opinion. Of, that's that's the problem with old people in the draw. Um, yeah. You know that's that's the issue, and so I think that we're gonna have a, a breed of new stars, uh, like we saw at the U.S. Open with the women. Um, you know, and I think, you know, the men are, it's a little bit harder, a little bit more challenging because the best of five is more physically demanding. And I think the older guys really know how to prepare and, and play the, the waves of the ups and downs of the momentum that goes on in a best of five. And I think experience is a huge factor in a best of five. And, you know, I think we've got some young guys like CC Paz and Zverev and, you know, Medvedev, who really know how to navigate those moments and are ready to upend and become the stars of the tour. Um, so I think, you know, we can't rely on, on these older people anymore. Um, you know, they, they skipped a generation. They were able to, to take all the attention for two generations of, of tennis players. And, and I just don't think they, they can't do it anymore because they can't stay healthy enough to, to stay up there. So... Um, and soon Djokovic at 34 going on 35 years old in the next couple of years will be joining that field of, you know, playing one tournament out for four months, playing another tournament out for three months, you know, type of thing. Um, you know, and, and the, the stars, the Zverevs and the Medvedevs and, and these kinds of guys are, are going to have to take these guys out um, and consistently take them out in the biggest moments. And, um, you know, it's, it is what it is here. Um, old age... Father Time always wins, undefeated. Unless you're LeBron James, <laughs> he's having like his, or Tom Brady or somebody like that. Yeah, but even then, even them, you know, yeah. the the thing is, like, uh, you you hear it a lot about it in like leadership uh, talks and business. Is as like you you hear these these champions of business and and athletes and all these different kinds of things, and they all say the same thing. You know, it's it's we never quit. We don't know how to quit so on and so forth so as much as that's true for these super successful people father time doesn't quit doesn't know how to quit the sun goes down the sun comes up the, the earth revolves around its axis and you're gonna get older so eventually tom brady will be done um and eventually lebron james will slow down and eventually um there will be a changing of the guard on the tennis tour yes hopefully we got a couple more years for all of these uh, the respective athletes. Um, so, Pars, let's jump into the women's field, which is led by hometown hero Ash Barty, Barty Party, as you like to call her. Yep. Uh, got a very workable draw, I think. Uh, in, in you know what I like about Barty, 
first of all, she's probably the best women's athlete out there, which is which is great to see. Um, she doesn't look like, you know, in the past, like Sam Stozer, you, she would come in here and, you know, lose first round and look like she was completely out of sorts and overtaken by the um, the pressure, right, of, of playing at home. I don't really sense that that's the, what you get with Barty. I think she knows how to handle it. You know, she's won a couple Grand Slams now. She's, without a doubt, the number one player in the world. And I think she's got a, a pretty workable draw here. I mean, I don't see anybody really, you know, um, pushing her. Maybe Anna Samova, who's, I'm going to tell you right now, it's my dark horse on the women's side. And then obviously Osaka, who's the defending champion. And I believe the fourth round, they would they would play each other. Um, but other than that, I mean, this top half, you, you like to think that, you know, she's going to cruise, cruise through that and... Uh, I mean, that's. I'm definitely going to be going with with uh, with Barty to make to make the semifinals here, um, and then I would I would like to say probably joining her would be Marie Sakari. Uh, you know, plays really well here too with the Greek fans behind her. Uh, really good kick serve. Probably again one of the fittest players you're going to see out there. I mean, she's you know she's absolutely ripped and um, you know she's looking like she's in good form and. That's, that's about it. And then going on to the bottom half, I mean, Parcel, let's, I, I want to get your views on the top half, but what's happening to Savalenko? I mean, you, you think it's because she lost to Fernandez at the U.S. Open and she's been out of sorts since then. But, I mean, just double fault after double fault. It's looking like, you know, Dementeva out there, right? Like totally. it's Yeah, I, like, I think sometimes when, you're, when your confidence gets shaken like that, yeah, I, I think you the the gremlin will will rear its ugly head when you least want it to, and so I think that's probably what's happening. It's 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 like that thing that you see with Djokovic. To be honest with you, you know he feels he's invincible, and there's no chink in the armor, and no one can defeat him. But if there was ever a time that he showed himself that he is no longer invincible, you gotta you gotta watch out. The mindset changes. So with Sabalenka, it looks like that is what has happened. Um, and once you get broken, you realize you're not perfect and you can be broken and it's a different mindset. It's a different, you know, maturity that takes for you to, um, and she's relatively young, you know, she's not old by any means. So I think this is, this is like a natural wave in a career. And I think that she'll eventually figure it out. Um, cause she hits a great ball and, um, she's definitely a top player, but you know, for now it's, it's tangled up between the ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think with that being said, you got to look at, you know, Muguruza, who's been playing pretty solid as of late uh, to make some noise here. Uh, maybe, maybe Fernandez. Uh, she, you know, she's, um, she's playing well and looks like she's, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, this actually going to be a very important tournament for her, I think, because, you know, she's coming off of the U.S. Open final um, and it's, to see what she really has, I think, I mean, if she can back it up with a deep run here, that's bodes really well for her. She loses first or second round, you know, everybody's gonna be like, okay, it's all right. You know, she just made the US Open final. She's figuring it out. But I, that, you know, I don't know if that's how she, she views it, right? Like she wants to obviously put forth a good performance and even, you know, going forward from there is Raducanu, who won the U.S. Open. You know, what what is she going to be doing? She's playing Sloane Stevens in the first round. You know, two former U.S. Open, well, the reigning U.S. Open champion, as well as a former U.S. Open champion. So that's going to be a tough one for her. 
So it's it's tough, right? Like, you know, this is why, you know, you, you can't just, you know, this is why we call them one hit, one hit wonders, right? Like Sloan Stevens right now is a one hit wonder. Absolutely. You know, that, you know what I mean? Like that's bottom line, right? Like, you know, Sam Stozer won a slam. There's a lot of players that have done that. I mean, obviously Osaka's won four and she's won this tournament twice. So you have to take her seriously, even though she's been, you know, up and down with her confidence and her mentality and stuff like that the last year or so. Um, Muguruza's won a couple majors. She's proven that she can she can be there. So listen, for me, I think it's going to be a Muguruza and Bardi final. And I think I have to give the slight edge to Muguruza in that one uh, to win this tournament. But it's going to be close. And I would like to see Bardi win it if possible. What, what do you have? Yeah, so I, I definitely see you on on the Barty uh, front there. I, I think she's just always going to be deep um, just because she's a well-rounded athlete and a well-rounded tennis player and has many different ways to beat you. Um, and I think that's super important. I think there's a lot of floaters that are, like I'm looking through the draw and I'm like, Coco Goff, 18th in the world, you know, or the 18th seed anyway. Um, Danielle Collins, 27th seed. These are players that sometimes create a lot of noise in events, um, Halep at 14. I mean, it's, it's pretty wild stuff. Um, you know, Raducanu, who's won the U.S. Open, is the 17th seed. It's it's just sort of strange, you know. And then you get Swiatek, and um, you know, you go down the list here, and um, it's pretty dangerous. Um, but I, I do have Barty advancing to the final. Um, you know, and, and I think it's going to be someone a little bit different. And Muguruza fits that mold. I do think it's going to be a veteran with a little bit more experience, um, albeit a, a Muguruza, a, you know, someone like, um, I think Halep is in the top half, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but let me look here real quick. Yeah. So, you know, someone, uh, someone of age. So my pick would be uh, somebody like Pavluchenkova. Um, some you know just to be devil's advocate um, with you and I'm gonna have Barty win the tournament um, I, th I think in the end of the day no matter who's in her way albeit like I don't think it's gonna be smooth sailing by any means um, I do think she'll battle her way and find herself in the final weekend and I think if she's there she's gonna she's gonna find the resolve to finish the deed yeah and, and I would love to see it then she would have I believe three of the four majors because she's won the French, she's won Wimbledon, she'll have this, and then the U.S. Open remains. So, it's and she can win that. Be... So sorry. And she could definitely win it. Yeah, yeah. I think career Grand Slam is definitely in the cards for Barty, and she would totally deserve it. She's very professional. Um, maybe not obviously the most marketable player out there, but you know she puts her head down and she just gets down to work and she lets her tennis speak for itself. So that's always great to see with um, with the top ranked player. Um, moving now to the men's side, obviously, I mean, how, what can I say? If Djokovic plays, he's in the semis. If Djokovic doesn't play, <laughs> I mean, it's probably one of the only times we're ever going to do this where, you know what I mean? We have so many asterisks behind, behind what we say. So I would say part of the bottom line, if Djokovic plays, he's in the semis. He's got a similar draw to the U.S. Open where, you know, you took on Berrettini, Sarev and Medvedev uh, to get to the finals. That to me is a not a great combination for him because I just feel like little by little all the guys wear him down a little bit. 
You know what I mean? And I still think he'll get through Berrettini. I think Zarev is going to be very difficult. I think he believes as long as the serve is and the second serve is where it needs to be, the guy's going to be very dangerous. And there's nothing really left for Zarev to accomplish. Like he has, he's won a bunch of Masters 1000s. He's won an Olympic gold medal. He's won the tour finals. He's beat all the number one ranked players in the world. All that's left for him is to win a major. Right. So he and become number one. So he's kind of like, I think he thinks it's going to be this year. That's definitely what he's going for. Right. For sure. So I don't see that, you know, you, know, you got to put him right up there. So, like I said, if Djokovic plays he's in the semis, if you, but to, to your point, if he doesn't get to practice, right, this weekend and he just shows up Monday, I mean, I don't know. It's just so many things, right? I look but at I a guy like Tommy Paul in the second round that could give him all sorts of fits if he's not locked in, you know? Because a guy like that, you know, he's fast. He runs around. He puts a ton of balls in the court. He's, like, excitable kind of guy, so it'll annoy Djokovic. There's a lot of, like, ugh, I don't like that, um, you know? For for Djokovic, I, I don't know if Tommy Paul can beat him, but that's a whole different animal. But you know, winning three sets against Djokovic in a Grand Slam is like, I mean, probably impossible. Um, you know, but it's not. I wouldn't look at that as like you know, Tommy Paul. If I'm in shape and I'm Djokovic, there's no chance. You know, if I'm yeah. sort of up and down and mentally stressed and emotionally stressed and the crowd's against me and like just. And this kid just keeps running things down and just he's not missing. It's, it's annoying. And then he's pumping his fist, going, let's go, come on. You know, it's just, I could just see it being, you know, a circus, to be honest with you. Um, and, and it's interesting because if Rublev takes Djokovic's position, right, then you love his draw, right? But if a lucky loser goes in there, then dare I say, Tommy Paul looks like he's in great shape. Right. You know what I, mean? I mean, it's like, it's so, like, yeah, he, it's so, like almost a fourth round, like with Garen or something, which is an incredible, you know, you would, t- you would sign up for that any day of the week. Oh, my goodness. It's, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, yeah. That- Winning the lottery for this tournament. So yeah, I would, I definitely, um, you know, see that transpiring. So, and I, listen, I mean, I got to go with, you know, the thing is, Nadal is back. I know you like what you saw from him. I think he's going to have a good year if he stays healthy, which is always the thing with him. Um, great. To, listen, like, the guy is a warrior. You know what I mean? The guy, he comes back from, you know, he goes and plays that exhibition, loses all of his matches, I believe, in Abu Dhabi, gets COVID, goes back to Spain, says that he actually had a pretty rough time with it for about four or five, six days. Gets over that, gets his butt right into Australia, wins a 250, you know, beats, yeah, a variety of players, as I know you'll mention, uh, but nevertheless, his 89th career title. And now he's coming in and he's like, let's go, right? You know, I'm ready for the fight. So it's, to me, it's, it's an opportunity for Nadal. I still think at this level, he needs a little bit of time because he's, he hasn't played on tour really for a while. And I don't know, I mean, listen, Kokonakis is in the finals of um, of Adelaide, 
he's playing uh, he's playing he's going to be playing later tonight for us and then tomorrow in, in Melbourne so he probably will be gassed so I think that when you look at Nadal's draw he's got Giron American he's going to I think he'll take care of him very easily hatching off haven't really liked what I've seen from him the last two or three years uh, so yeah I mean looks like he's got a really he, like draw that is going to give him rhythm it's Hubert Hurkacz who is the who's the round of 16 guy that is the problem um he's he's he can be very dangerous he's a problem he's a problem for anyone because he, yeah, he can take the tennis solid. yeah he's, he can take the tennis out of your hands you know he's yeah. like a, like almost reminds me of like a better version of todd martin if you remember um, yeah you know he's he's just yeah difficult just all, does everything very well and fights on top of it yeah and he's and he's very mentally stable like he doesn't get flustered. He's not an exciting guy by any means, but he, you know, he's right there all the time. He's tall. He's got a very repeatable serve. I, I you know, I watched him a lot uh, in Toronto here last year, and the guy looks like he's never gonna miss a serve. I mean, he's just so like, you know, he gets such good cover on the ball that, you know, it's always looking like it's gonna go in. Um, so that's what I think of the top half. So I'm gonna be going with. I mean, listen, it's got to, like, I'm going to be going with Zarev to make the finals. Um, and then in the bottom half, you got to go with Medvedev as your uh, as the clear favorite for me. I think, you know, last year, again, another COVID year, I think like a guy like Christian Rude really benefited from the schedule, from a lot of guys not playing from Nadal, not playing from Federer being out, you know, Del Potro not being in the picture. And that eight to 10 spot, if you're very solid, you can make it, and which is where he is. Uh, to go forward from there is very difficult because you got to really do some some big stuff, right? At the, at the biggest tournament. So I think that, um, you know, Medvedev for me, Looks like he's feeling really good and he's ready to go. Sissipas coming off of an elbow surgery and he's not, you know, particularly confident at this point. So I don't really see him going too far, even though I believe he has semifinal points to defend. Um, so, I mean, lo and behold, I think it's going to be a Zarev Medvedev final. I think mentally, Zarev will be hungrier, but I think. Medvedev is just so solid and I think he just mentally will have a little bit of in a best of five set scenario will have a little bit he's got a better serve overall in my opinion not maybe as big but it's more durable uh, backhands are both I mean so good forehands are both a bit funky on both guys but listen I think I mean it's going to be right there and they both move really well so it's actually a very very close matchup but I think that mental edge for me, is is what Medvedev would have, but I still think Zurev. If Djokovic doesn't play, he's got to look at this like licking his chops, like let me in this tournament, man. I'm gonna win this thing, and that's it. I don't care what I have to do. I have to win this tournament, and I think that's what would happen. Obviously, if Djokovic plays, then completely different, you know, conversation that we're having. And then finally, for my dark horse. I'm going to be going with Sebastian Corda. I think by the end of 2022, Sebastian Corda will likely be your top-ranked American player. So um, I'd like to hear what you have to think about that, Parsa, and what your picks are. Yeah, I mean, in terms of Corda, Corda's uh, obviously 
has the lineage. I do think it's a little early for him. Um, you know, I still think he's got to go through some ups and downs, um, and he still has to gain some strength. Um, so I'm not sure that he can make deep runs in events like this, just because the physicality I'm not sure is there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, as my dark horse, I do like uh, Maxime Cressy. Uh, he's, he's, you know, a French guy who's uh, playing under the American flag, played at UCLA. Um, just a huge game. Um, and just plays, he's the anti of everybody else. And so, yeah. so I think that that lends uh, to some favors. That's, that's definitely going to be my dark horse. Um, Good you know, one. I like it. Yeah, I, d- I definitely do like Nadal. Um, and, and the reason why I like Nadal and, and what I was getting to off air was, you know, the number one thing, his number one strength is alive and intact. And that's, that's his, his belief system and his fighting spirit. Those two things there are raging and ready to go, like the bull that he is. Um, the rest of it, I think he can figure out. Um, you know, and you know he's still one of the greatest fighters of all time. And you think that Zverev is licking his chops? What about Nadal looking and be like, I could play Zverev for a Grand Slam title? Are you kidding me? You know, like <laughs> I, I, I am not a believer in Zverev. Um, and and he he goes into the category of I'll believe it when I see it for me, just yeah. because I I still think he's pompous. And I think when you're pompous and and the whole world's looking at you, you're just not going to be able to do it. Um, you just can't. He's going to serve a, a second serve in the fifth set at 52 miles an hour, and it's embarrassing. You know that yeah. that that U.S. Open final that he played team that was that was an embarrassing uh, tournament. You know that that or you know I didn't like that final at all. I mean I'm happy for team that he won, but you know, that was not great tennis. Um, oh. You know, so so I look at those kinds of things and I, and I get confused when it comes to Zverev. I think Zverev will probably be lights out straight to the, to the final. Um, and I, I think that that's in his cards. And then it comes down to a, a Nadal and, um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Nima, but I sh- mm-hmm. it should be Nadal and Medvedev in the second half. Is that right? Do I have it right? Medvedev and uh, no Nadal's in the top half, huh? Yeah, Nadal is in the top half. Yeah. Um, so I would have Medvedev uh, definitely into the final as well, and then so it would be a I guess a Zverev Nadal semifinal, and I think that that's just there's just no chance there, and then I think you get Nadal Medvedev in the final, um, and I I just don't see it any other way other than a than a I don't know. I don't know if I can do this, but all 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 signs are pointing for a, a Medvedev championship here. Um, uh, even despite what I'm saying about Rafa, I just think that there's going to be there's going to be something. And Medvedev has just got this. He's just not fearful, Nima. Um, no, he leads, not he only in the ones that he even the ones he lost, he was pretty competitive. You know, sort of. Um, you know, maybe exception of his first Grand Slam final, but otherwise he was always difficult and just. He's a difficult guy to put out, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go. Ah, screw it, guys. Everybody out there, whatever. I'm going for the old old people. It's my birthday this weekend. I don't care. Rafa Nadal, let's go, champion 22. Check this out, though, Parsa. If Nadal wins this tournament somehow, it'll be the first time he's won this tournament since 2009, which is a lot. It's like 13 years ago. The problem is One. his knee, right? He'll break down. But okay, sorry. Which is which is which is very which is very commendable too, right? 
he will have won, like Djokovic, every Grand Slam at least twice, which is massive. And three, he gets to 21 Grand Slams. So with that being said, let's just talk about a hypothetical here before we, we sign off for this week. If Nadal wins this tournament, does he become the GOAT? Because of a few reasons. One, he has won at least every Grand Slam twice. Two, he, um, and sorry, and, and obviously then, and he hasn't won his tournament since 2009. And then three, he gets to 21 and he breaks Djokovic and Nadal. Pardon me, Federer, Djokovic yeah. and Federer. So, I mean, that... Heading but, into the French Open, he must make it 22. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't know, man. Rafa, Rafa's... Nima, what have we learned? We've been doing... You said we've been doing this podcast for 11 years, okay? That's 44 Grand Slams we've done podcasts for. The yeah. one thing we've learned over and over again is every time we count Nadal out, we're just absolutely wrong. He always will find a way. He figures it out. And I don't know. I, 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 I want to. I'm smiling behind the mic here. Um, I, I want it to be. That's what I want. So I'm going with... Well, definitely opens up that conversation because... Yeah, 100%. Yes, does, will Djokovic still have the head-to-head? Yes. Will he have the most weeks at number one? Yes. <clears throat> will he have won all of the Masters 1000s? Yes. But Nadal has the gold medal. Nadal has 21 slams and he will have this, have won every major at least twice. So he's got to be right there. The only thing that he won't have is the head-to-head, right? And uh, the most weeks at number one, which is obviously fantastic. Like that, I, I, it's tough for me. I mean, but it definitely, if he gets to 22, then, and, and Djokovic still at 20, then I don't know. That's but it's, this is where it gets starts getting really interesting. And on top of everything, Parsa, that means <laughs> that Roger Federer, who we thought it was the god of tennis, is pretty much the third best player ever. I know, but he is kind of is the god of tennis because these guys rose because of that guy. Then there's yeah. no there's no debating it. That's absolutely one thousand percent true. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rafa came because he had to meet this standard, this gold standard, and they've obviously surpassed it. But if there's no Roger Federer, I don't know if Nadal and Djokovic are ever as good as they currently are. Yeah, know. yeah. Well, I think they would admit that as well, too. So, uh, yeah, listen, it's going to be an interesting fortnight gets underway for us Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Looking forward to it. So make sure everybody goes and checks that out. Uh, you can check check out Tennis Connected throughout uh, the event for comprehensive coverage. We also have Amy Lundy as our new staff writer. She's been putting up some great content, so make sure to check her out. She also has a, a really good podcast that, that she has um, with a couple of her colleagues, so make sure to listen in on that. Um, Parsa, thanks again for everything and for joining us this week. Thank you. Thanks, everybody out there for listening. Make sure to follow Parsa Sammy on Instagram and myself on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and have a great uh, weekend. Make sure to watch the Australian Open next week and we will be back for the French Open, Parsa, in May for our next podcast. So make sure to tune in for that, everybody. Have a great day and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.